All right, well, I want to talk to you this morning about a subject that I'm calling the title of this message, standalone messages like, what'd you say? What'd you say? So that's the title of the message. We're going to read about it a little bit in Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse number 31. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to be reading from my Bible. And join me in your Bible or on, on your device. And let's check out and see what God's word says in just these five or six, seven verses. Verse 31, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. In other words, Jesus is heading to a metropolitan area where there's like 10 cities really close together, and he's going to do some ministry there. There were some people, there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Now, I have been in this thing called pastoring ministry for quite a, quite a while now, and I've preached a lot of different topics and subjects, and this particular passage I've used as a reference before, but I've never used it as the primary text. I thought, okay, Lord, I want to see what we're going to get out of this uh, somewhat um, disgusting uh, uh, thing that you, you did. I want to kind of discover what, what it was, what, it, what is the meaning behind the method that you did here when you healed this guy in Mark chapter 7. There's a true story. I want to start off with this true story of a man who recently got his pilot's license. He was uh, his license to fly a Cessna airplane, small airplanes, maybe two or four seater airplanes. And to celebrate, he told his best friend, he said, hey, why don't you come with me and we'll go for a flight together. My inaugural flight, you're going to be a part of that. And his friend's like, cool, I'll go with you. I'd love to. So they get in this little two-seater plane. They take off, go down the runway. Everything's fine. They spiral around. They turn around till they get higher and higher and higher until they get to their altitude of 15,000 feet, which is nearly three miles in the sky. They're cruising around at 15,000 feet and the worst possible scenario takes place. The pilot passes out cold. Now, he didn't just pass out because of anything oxygen-related. He passed out because in the excitement of getting his license to fly, his pilot's license, he forgot, neglected to take his medication. And he was a diabetic. And so by not taking his medication for the duration that he forgot to take it, he slipped into a diabetic coma three miles in the air as the pilot of the plane. That's a bad day. And so, true story, the passenger, the only passenger in the plane, began to freak out, as you and I would probably freak out as well. And he thought his friend was pulling his leg. He thought he was goofing around. So he starts shaking his friend, dude, wake up, this is not funny anymore. And he realizes this is serious. He's really not coming to. He didn't know if he's alive or if he's dead. And they're three miles in the air, still flying straight ahead, about 100 miles an hour. It's a, it's a scary situation. And so he begins to look at the, the panel and realizes there's dials and buttons and gauges, and I have no idea what's going on here. But then he sees the radio. And he thought, well, I've seen this on the movies before. So he picks up the, the radio, and he pushes the button, and he says, mayday, 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 help, help. He does that, and there's no response. Nothing. Waits about 10 seconds. That's a long 10 seconds. Still no response. Mayday! 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 Help! Still no response. After 30 seconds. After a minute. After two minutes. 
after three minutes of silence, he goes back and forth, mayday, mayday, and shaking his friend, you gotta get up, man, we're gonna die. And then finally, after all of that, after several minutes, he hears this faint voice coming over the radio that says, hello, hello, is anybody, anybody there? His response is swift, immediate. Yes, I'm here, I'm here, my friend, he passed out, we went to flight, he got his license, I don't know if he's alive, I know he's dead, where I'm gonna die. And the guy on the other end of the radio says to him, be quiet, settle down, listen to my voice. I know exactly where you are at. I see you. If you will do exactly what I tell you to do, I will help you land this plane safely. True story. How many of you know that that man listened to every single word that the dude on the other end of the radio said to him, right? He wasn't about to interrupt that guy for nothing. He was just gonna, in fact, he probably was gonna verify everything that he was saying. Did I hear you say to turn the dial 20 degrees? Did I hear, is that what I heard? He's probably listening and wants to do exactly what he tells him to do. I would say that, that this passenger is probably completely committed and fully surrendered to the mystery voice on the other end of the radio. And you know what I'm talking about, Yes? And what happened, true story, fast forward for time's sake, what happened was he landed that plane safely on the runway at the airport with no incident whatsoever, simply because he obeyed the instruction of a voice that he could hear of a face that he could not see. Now, that story is an example of our lives. We're a lot like this. Because life has a way of hitting us with some uncertainties, doesn't it? Life has a way of throwing us some curveballs. You, you didn't see that one coming, did you? And that probably could be a headline to your life this week for some of you. I didn't see that one coming. We get blindsided by things that happen to us in our life. And so I'm going to challenge us today in this single standalone message. Next week, by the way, I'm launching a brand new series. I'm excited about it. It's going to last four weeks. You got to be here for it. Should the Lord continue to direct this way? I'm excited about sharing with the series that I'm calling God Never Said That. Uh, there's a lot of things that Christians quote God on, and God doesn't want credit for that because he never did say that. And so we're going to talk about what God never did say um, uh, starting next week. It's going to be a fun time to go through. I think you're going to enjoy it. But in this message, there's one theme, and the one theme is very clear. We need to learn to grab a hold of a radio called prayer and start crying out to God saying, mayday, 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 I need help. My life is about to crash. Show me how I'm supposed to be the person that you designed me to be. The problem is sometimes we have to wait on God. 10 seconds, 30 seconds, one minute, two minutes. But here's what we know. We don't think, we don't wonder, we don't assume, we know you will hear from God. You just have to listen. And so today, I want to teach us how to hear the voice of God, how to hear the voice of God. That's one of the reasons why we're having this prayer night coming up on October the 19th. We want you to be a part of that, that time of concentrated prayer. It's 90 minutes of, of prayer. We're going to come together and pray. We're really going to see God do some things on your behalf and on other people's behalf as well. So we need to aggressively and desperately cry out to God and hear 
his voice. Because if you're going to be the man that God called you to be, or if you're going to be the woman that God has called you to be, you have to learn to hear his voice. You'll never step into your purpose in life unless you can hear the voice of God. You'll never do anything great for God, never do anything great in your life unless you learn to hear his voice. What'd you say? We need to be able to hear the voice of God. Let me tell you how I got here. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame. It's where God takes the the writer of Hebrews uh, through the Holy Spirit's anointing, uh, drafts a list in this one chapter of people who we call the Hall of Famers uh, because they're from the Old Testament because they continued and kept in their faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about people like Noah. It says, by faith, Noah built the ark, even though it had never rained on the planet. And it took him over 100 years to do it. And everybody was dogging him and making fun of him. He probably was, was the talk of the town. He was ridiculed and insulted and put down. Probably had people ostracize him and, 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 and uh, that, you know, keep their distance. From, I'm telling you, he went through it for all those years. But in the end, God kept his word, flooded the earth. We, t- we read about Abraham who was told to go to a place that you know not of. So Abraham gets rid of everything and he says, okay, God, where are we going? He's like, well, you just start walking and I'll tell you when to turn. That's faith. For some of you, that's the journey you're on right now. God, you said to walk. I'd like to know where I'm going. He's like, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, but I never promised you that it's a high beam halogen. It's just going to give you one step at a time. Yeah, that's faith. He's in the faith hall of fame. You might be in that too. Because you're going to take one step at a time. Joseph took one step at a time from prison cell to prison cell, from slavery to slavery, from accusation to accusation, until finally God vindicated him and used him in righteousness. Um, Rahab, Moses, all of them are enlisted in the Faith Hall of Fame. But it says, by faith, by faith. Anybody who ever did anything great for God did it by what? By faith. Well, what Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, uh, the first part of it says, and without faith... It's impossible to please God. We must have faith. So what is faith? I'm glad you asked. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, what faith is. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence, mayday, mayday. It's confidence, it's assurance in what we hope for. I hope that I'm gonna be saved. It's, and it's, it's, it's confidence, we, I can't see that. But I believe that that's called, that's called faith. Do me a favor. Let's do a quick exercise. Everybody stand up for me. I know you don't want to, but I'm going to have you do it anyway. Some of y'all are like, dude, this is the most exercise. Yeah, just stand up really quickly. All right. So we, we do a drill all the time in, uh, in Taekwondo classes when I teach them, with little kids especially. I'm like, stand up. They say, yes, sir. Sit down. Yes, sir. Stand up. Stand up. Say, Who's going to be the fastest? It's gonna, don't, don't, the stand up we won't do because some of y'all are like beyond that, right? But when I say sit down, see who can sit down the fastest. Are you ready? Sit down. Bravo. Well, you just exercised some, some incredible faith. It's probably more faith than maybe, maybe you realize. Because not one of you checked to make sure that chair was going to hold you up. In fact, uh, we went and shot for furniture one time. My wife and I did when our kids were young. And the salesman was, was awesome. He sold us a couch and a love seat, a lazy boy couch and a love seat. I think he lied to us. I don't really care. He was so good at what he said. It was amazing. You know what he told me? We had, we had uh, kids at that point. He's like, they're going to be teenagers soon. You're going to want this furniture last. I'm like, yes, we do want the furniture last. He's like, if, if you know what I know, then and you'd buy some sturdy furniture. Well, what do you know? I know that teenagers, the average teenager, when they sit down on the couch, they're, they're achieving a speeds of approximately 46 miles per hour as they're landing on that couch. So you better have a sturdy couch. And I'm like, they know that stuff? That's amazing. 
I don't know if he was lying to me. I don't know what, it, but it was a great statement. I'll never forget teenagers sit down at 46 miles per hour. You better make sure you have a sturdy couch. Here's the deal. It takes faith to sit down when you don't know that that thing is going to hold you, but you trusted it anyway. We need to have at least that much faith that God is going to hold you. That's a good word, Troy. Yeah, you're right, it is. So faith is important. The next question is, how do I get faith? If faith is important, how do I get faith? Romans 10, 17 tells us how we're going to get faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word of God. I still believe that there is power in the B-I-B-L-E. I still believe that God's word is rightly, will rightly divide everything in our lives. I still believe that every answer to your dilemma in your life is found in this book. So, so this is the book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means if I'm going to believe that God is who he says he is, and if I'm going to believe that God can do what he's called me to do, I have to have faith. But faith is always predicated on my ability to hear. So as long, I long for you to know God's word. As you are under shepherd, and I want you to know God's word. I don't want you to rely on me to teach you God's word, although I'm honored to be a part of that. I want you to know God's word. You hang your hat on God's word. You, you know it. But I also want you to know God's voice because we can be out of balance. If you know God's word, but you don't know God's voice, then you're a Pharisee. See, the Pharisees knew his word. They had it memorized, but they didn't know his voice. And so when Jesus shows up in the flesh right in front of them, they call him the devil because they didn't know his voice. On the other hand, if you know God's voice, but you, don't know God's, but you don't know God's word, then you're a fanatic. Uh, you're crazy is what you are, okay? You're nuts. And I've run into some of those people before too, where they know God's voice and they're speaking as if they think they're speaking the very words of God, but it actually is it's not nearly in alignment with what God says in his word. So we have to have both. Both, guys. You want answers? I'm giving you answers. I'm giving you the whole test right now. And the, answer, the answers are filled in. If you want God to come through for you in whatever area it is, you got to know his word and you got to know his voice. And so today we're talking about how can I know God's voice? Think of it this way. God's word is like the, the atlas or the globe. It's like the map. But God's, God's voice is like, I mentioned this last week or a couple weeks ago, it's like um, your GPS that guides you. And, it, and, and, and for me, it's on my phone. It'd be Siri is talking to me, right? And saying, uh, uh, in 200 feet, turn left. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know anything else. I especially like it when she says, stay in the second lane from the right. Thank you for that. Or does anybody appreciate those kinds of things? How did we ever survive, get anywhere before, right? I don't know how we did that, but now we got these tools. And so that's, that's like knowing, or hear, knowing God's voice. But knowing, knowing God's word is the whole, whole, oh, Sometimes I take the wrong turn. <laughs> and when I take the wrong turn, it says in 200 feet, turn left. And I, I think I know this a little bit better. So I'm just going to turn right here. And, and what will happen is my phone will say, fine, if you don't 
want to listen to me, then I'm not going to give you any more information. And she hangs up on me. Is that what your phone does to you? Doesn't happen. Instead, your phone starts the little twirly-whirly thing, right? And says, recalculating. I think God does that too. I think he's patient. I think he's long-suffering. I think you take a wrong turn deliberately or accidentally, he's still going to recalculate to get you back on track. And somebody say amen. amen. That's, that's the God. Some, last night happened. I don't know what it was, but you know what it was. And, and God is recalculating, and you're here today. I'm proud of you. Last week, you, you know what happened. You know what you said. God recalculated, and he's helping you. It says, the steps of a righteous man, a woman of order of God. It says, ordered your steps. Now he's trying to get you back into those steps again, and this is part of it. So, yay, God. Yeah. So, so, so in this, this, uh, this uh, GPS thing that we have of God giving us his word um, and then also giving us his voice to hear, we have this story. So getting back to Mark chapter 7, in the first part of verse number 32, it says, there were some people that brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. He was deaf and could hardly talk. Let me do it again. He was deaf and he could hardly talk. I appreciate very much that the very first part of this story, we know the problem. We don't have to wonder what the problem is. He's deaf and he could hardly talk. Imagine this. He never heard his mama's voice ever. That's all he could see. But he never heard anything from her. He, he never heard his daddy's voice. He, imagine, because he was deaf, but he could also hardly talk. Imagine knowing a really funny joke and not being able to tell it. That sounds like hell to me, right? If I hear something funny, I got to share it. You know what I'm talking about? He can't say anything. He was deaf and he could hardly talk. This man watched in silence, probably wondering what other people are talking about because he couldn't hear it himself. He was deaf and could hardly talk. How many disorders is that? It's one. Because if you know much about um, muteness or not being able to speak, it's almost always not a voice box issue. It's almost always because you can't hear. And when you can't hear, then you can't talk. That's why it says he was deaf and could hardly talk, right? So he could make the sounds, but he couldn't be understandable. So the crowd was pretty upset. They were upset because they wanted him to be able to talk. Does that not make sense? They want this guy to be able to communicate with them. So the crowd was kind of upset about this. Notice that Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus knows that this guy has really one problem, the fact that he can't hear, not the fact that he can't talk. And we know that because Jesus fixes the root of the problem first. The hearing is the issue, not the talking. Even though the crowd thinks the talking is the problem, the hearing is the issue. Some of you are so focused on fixing your mouth that you're neglecting and dialing into the root of your issue in your life. You got to dial into the root issue. You can't hear. Maybe it should be framed a little bit differently, but God wants to go deeper with you today. He wants to deal with the root issue in your life. Um, Addiction. I'm addicted to alcohol or drugs, let's say. Um, I, I'm struggling in this particular... That's not your problem. That's, that's, your, that's your talking. That's your mouth. That is not your hearing. The hearing is the root of the issue. Why are you stuck in that, that cesspool 
uh, uh, that snare, that web that you're ensnared in right now? Why is it that you're in that? The real issue might be have something to do with when you were younger and, and how people thought of you and what you thought of yourself and you were told you'll never be anything and you're worthless and no one likes you and you don't even matter. The real issue is your ears and what you heard. That's why a lot of the rehab centers don't work. It's because they address the, um, the peripheral issue, which is the drugs, the issue there, but not the deeper issue as to why. And a lot of the Christian programs like Teen Challenge and so forth are getting 90, 95% success ratios while others are, are lucky to get 30%. It's because we're gonna get to the real issue of why you think of yourself the way you do and why you're trying to distract yourself from what the root is. So we're gonna help you with this stuff. Listen, the real issue are your ears. It's that you need to heal, not just with drugs and alcohol, maybe it was with harsh language or abuse or, or excessive anger or lust or greed or excessive anxiety or depression, all of those things we can help you with. I'm telling you, God can help you with that. Now, the, the challenge is we need to heal that broken boy inside of you, that broken girl inside of you. And what's going to happen is that man of God, that woman of God is going to come forth victoriously in the end if we can take care of the root issue in your life. This man was deaf and could hardly talk. The Bible says the crowd brought him to Jesus. And I got to thinking about that because I like to think about what God's word says. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, he still had legs, right? He could get up and go, go, go to Jesus himself. Why did the people have to take him to Jesus? This wasn't one of the lame guys that, uh, that, that needed to be carried on the mat to Jesus. Why, why could he not get up and go himself? Because sometimes, because sometimes when you can't hear God's voice, you have to lean upon others who can hear God's voice. So in this case, in this scenario that I'm painting, this picture I'm painting for you right now, y'all be the crowd because you gotta take people that can't hear the voice of God to the God that can heal them from not being able to hear the voice of God. You, you gotta usher people into God's glory and into God's grace. And I just love the response of Jesus to the crowd. It says in verse 33, after he took him aside, away from the crowd, okay, so the crowd brings the guy to Jesus, they usher him to Jesus because they know Jesus is going to help this guy, and Jesus is like, dude, come with me, man, let's come on over here, we got to get away from the crowd a little bit, just you and me, step over here, let's have a conversation together. Jesus removes the man from the crowd, he takes him away, why? Because Jesus isn't concerned about putting on a show for anybody. Jesus is concerned about having a one-on-one -on -one encounter with you, a one-on-one -on -one encounter with your children, a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the person that you want to lead to him. Jesus doesn't want you to get the credit. He doesn't want me to get the credit. He wants them to have the encounter with him individually so that he receives, duly receives all glory and all honor. Somebody say amen. Jesus is looking for somebody who's willing to get away from the crowd and to get alone with him. You want to hear the voice of God? Well, number one, get away from the crowd. 
and get alone in his presence. I'm going to give you four things that will help you get close to God. You'll be able to hear his voice if you follow these four things. Then I'll continue to restate them and I'll even restate them at the end. But I want you to get this down. How do you hear the voice of God? You got to get away from the crowd and get alone in his presence. There used to be a thing a long time ago. People talked about going into their prayer closet at their house. What that meant truly was it meant go into the closet and pray. Because homes were a lot smaller then than they are today. Uh, So they would go into the only room that they they knew they were going to get isolation, get alone. They would get in their closet, sit in the bottom of the closet, and they'd pray and be alone with God, hopefully get away from the noise and distractions. You need to have a place that you can get alone with God and to be in his presence. And may I tell you, commuter culture, that's probably not your car. Because if you think that's the place that you're getting alone with, by the way, you pray, that's a great place to listen to the word. Uh, But as far as prayer goes, I kind of want you as a fellow driver to be dialed in to driving. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, And and I I think God wants you to be dialed into him. It's hard to be dialed in twofold. So find a time. It doesn't have to be long. Three minutes. Start there of just being alone in isolation with God. But you want to know why people won't do this? Because they don't want silence. Silence makes us so uncomfortable. Because when we're silent, we have to think about our stuff, what we've done or what's been done to us. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. God's like, I already know what you've gone through. I know what you did. I know where you're at. Let me help you. Get alone with his presence. You got to learn to shut some things out of your life so you can hear, hear God. Hmm. What's the crowd? Well, it's likely the thing that's trying to pull you away from being in God's presence. And there's always going to be things that are going to try to pull you away from being in God's presence. I read this, I'll read it to you guys. I thought it was a pretty good quote. It says, make time for quiet moments because the world is loud and God often whispers. Let me read it again. Make time for quiet moments because the world is loud and God often whispers. Why does God whisper? I think it's because he wants us to lean in close. And when we lean in close to him, he's going to speak to us. The second thing that Jesus did to this man was he, well, let's look at verse 33. Are you ready for this? After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Right? That's like disgusting, right? Think about it. Wax-filled, crusty ears. Jesus takes his fingers, and that's pretty nasty to me. They didn't have Q-tips back then. You know what I'm talking about? So he put his fingers in the guy's ears. Now, I got to tell you something about that. I think the guy had to let him put his fingers in. Uh, Craig, I love you, man. We hang out together. You're an elder, the, you know, chairman of the board and all that kind of stuff. But you come up to me and let me pray for you, Troy. I'm going to be like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, but, 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 but the guy stood there and he, and he, and he let Jesus. I think there's something to this. I think there's something to this. You want to hear from God? Give Jesus access to the root of your problem. See, the guy could have said, da, 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 da. he probably could have said that. He could have been like, you know, he couldn't speak, but he just, no, you know, don't touch my ears. But he gave Jesus access to the root of his problems. Jesus was trying to put his fingers into this guy's ears. Here's, here's, here's what I know. When you get into the presence of God, he's going to touch areas of your life that aren't working. And you got to let him. That's hard. 
And notice where Jesus went first. He didn't go to the man's tongue first. He went to the guy's ears first, right? Just to remind you one more time that he's addressing the root of the issue before he ever addresses the symptom of the issue, the, the other problem. And you would have thought, though, I would have thought, and this is how my mind thinks, I would have thought that when Jesus touched the man's ears, he can hear. It's a miracle. But that's not what happened. He didn't get healed right away. Jesus touched him, but he didn't get freed from his deafness at that point, which tells me something deep and profound, church, and I want to share it with you right now. Um, You can get away from the crowd. You can get into the presence of God. Jesus can even touch you. God can touch you, and you can still leave the same way you came in. Jesus, I think, I'm going to say I'm, I'm confident, is teaching us through this one verse um, a picture of religion. And we are not part of religion at this church. I'm not interested in religion. I don't have time for religion. Um, religion is a dirty word. It was then and it is now. Religion is equated with legalism. And that's always death. Religion, the enemy, this is religion. The enemy would love for you to be in this pattern. He, first of all, wants to stop you from coming to church. How many of y'all know that? Say yes, right? He tried to stop you this morning and sabotage you, and the person next to you became your enemy for like 10 minutes this morning because that's just what he tried to do, right? He's trying to wreak havoc in your home. It's just the way it is. So we know that the devil doesn't want you to come. But if you're going to come... Here's the way that he wants you to be able to come to church. He wants you to come on Thursdays at our South Stockton campus or Sunday here at the Lathrop campus. He wants you to come in and sing a few songs, get into the presence of God. He he is okay with that. He wants you to be satisfied with a little touch from God. I felt that. Mm, Felt that. And then he wants you to be able to leave this place with the same issues, the same struggles, the same demons that have bound you up for years, and the devil's okay with that because that's called religion. You need more than a Sunday experience. You need more than just a touch from God. We need complete transformation, a total overhaul in our thinking, in our acting, and our abilities. So then it says that Jesus, after he got him away, says he touched his ears and I know that's disgusting, but every, I just love doing that because it grosses everybody up. We know that Jesus spit. When it says he spit, he didn't just like hock a loogie on the side. He, he, I, sorry if that discussion, he, he spit on his fingers and he's, then he touched the man's tongue. So, Prentice, after church today, if you've got a real issue, you're like, Troy, I really need to talk to you. I need some prayer. I'd be like, Prentice, go to my office, man. Let's go in there. Let's, let's get alone with God. And I'm going to pray for you. And you have a seat, and I'm, I'm there with you. And I rise up from my desk. And I say, I'm going to pray for you. And, yeah, I do that with a lot of people. And I'm like, I need you to open up. Right? I imagine that would be the last time I'd see you at New Life Church. <laughs> I think that's pretty gross. I actually think these kinds of stories are ones that make Christians uncomfortable because we don't understand what just happened there, and we just kind of want to gloss over that so none of our friends think we're crazier than they already think we are. 
we don't get it. I don't get it. I didn't get it till I understood it a little bit more. It sounds like Jesus has gone off his rocker, like he's lost his mind, until you understand something about spit and fingerprints. In your spit, your saliva is something called DNA. And when you swab the DNA of you and the person next to you, unless you're relatives, it's not going to match. And if you're relatives, it's going to match a little bit until you become identical twins, and then it matches almost 100%. Your DNA identifies you, and we all know that. We all watch CSI. We get DNA, right? We understand that. But it's found primarily in your saliva. That's where they test first and foremost. Secondarily, it can be found in skin cells and in your hair follicles, but saliva is the number one place to find and to access the DNA. Fingerprints, 6.6 billion people on the planet times 10 fingers, including your thumbs. And there's a people out there that have a few less and the people that have a few more, I suppose. So we'll just average it out. So there's uh, just 660 billion fingerprints and not a one of them is the same. Not a one of them is, and we can think, ah, oh, that's cool. But if you really let that sink in, that is a miracle. And then there's, there's just as many people alive on the planet today, get this fact, it's kind of fascinating, just as many people alive on the planet today as there ever was in all of history combined. So there's more people alive today than there ever was at any point in history before. Isn't that fascinating? So let's just double that 660 and kind of add it to everybody. So now we've got like 1.32 trillion fingerprints, dead or alive, and none of them match. So when you begin to understand that, Jesus, through this action, is saying, if you want to hear my voice, dude, if you want to hear my voice, then you got to get away from the crowd. you got to get alone in my presence. you got to allow me to get to the root of the issue. You've got to allow me to touch you right in that sweet spot of discomfort and what you're feeling as shame and allow me to help you. But in order to do that, Troy, I need to get my DNA inside of you. I need to get my fingerprints inside of you. I need to get my identity, come on now, inside of you. That's what Jesus is saying. Because if, if I can, Jesus is saying, if I can get what's on the inside of me, on the inside of you, that's when transformation is going to take place in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me restate it for you. Number three, how do I hear the voice of God? Let Jesus' DNA become your identity. When you look in the mirror, you shouldn't see a reflection of yourself. You should see a reflection of Jesus Christ. Let his DNA become your identity. Because when the identity, uh, excuse me, when the DNA of Jesus is on the inside of you, it doesn't matter how many generational curses have attached themselves to you because 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells me that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's where we live because we carry the identity of our heavenly father. I am not my circumstances. You are not what's coming against you. You are not your past. Those don't identify you. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You carry his DNA inside of you, and that DNA makes all the difference. So Jesus takes him away from the crowd, gets him alone in his presence, touches the root of the problem, spits on his fingers, touches the man's tongue, and then it says he looks up to heaven as if to say that is where our help comes from. That's pretty good. Your help isn't going to come from your mama, although she's wise as all get out. 
but your help is going to come from heaven. Your help is not going to come from your best friend, and it's certainly not going to come from Google. Your help is going to come from the Lord. Mark, look at, look at Mark 7, verses 34 and 35. Let's just review these last. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Epapartha, which means be opened. And then verse number 35, at this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak. He began to speak plainly. And this is where we're going to end this story today. But, but quick question. Go back one verse, if you would, on the screen for me. Thank you so much, Marissa. Listen, Jesus was speaking. Who is he talking to? The guy can't hear. He hasn't been healed yet. So Jesus is talking. Who's he talking to? He wasn't speaking to the deaf man because he knew the deaf man couldn't hear him. I propose to you that Jesus was speaking to every demonic force that had ever held this man back from his potential. Every demonic force that had kept this man's ears closed for so long. So whenever God breaks open something in your life, Whenever he breaks open something in your life, you need to make a declaration in the heavenlies that will manifest itself in the natural. Now, I'm going to say it again because I know some of y'all like bug-eyed right now. Stay with me. Whenever God breaks something open in your life, declare that in the heavenlies and he will make it manifest down here. In other words, you believe before you receive. You, 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 uh, you declare before you get it. it I, I, I know that I'm healed. I kind of wish, I hope I'm healed. There's a big difference. You know it. I know that my marriage will make it. I'm not sure hope so. It's a crapshoot, you know, I don't know. There's a big difference. You got to, Make it manifest in the natural through declaring it in the heavenlies. What am I saying? You need to look at things in your life that are closed and declare to those closed things, be opened. Be opened and believe it. Now, let me restate. How do you hear the voice of God? Number four, watch Jesus rebuke the devourer. Watch Jesus rebuke the devourer. That's what he does here. Jesus is, is saying, you know, be opened. He's not... He's not praying to God. He is God. He looks heavenly, not because he needs the strength of heavenly. He is heavenly. He's giving us a, a, a visual here of where we should look for our strength. But then he speaks to the demonic forces, to the devil himself. Yeah. Be opened. Another way would say... Um, Get out of the way. Be removed and cast into the sea. <laughs> Unstop that which is stopped up. Unblock it. Do you see where it's going? And when he does, the results are clear. Verse 35 tells us this man's ears were opened. Number one, the root of the issue was taken care of. His tongue was loosened. And it says, and he began to speak plainly. He didn't have to go to speech therapy. He didn't have to learn the vowel sounds. It was a miracle. But it all happened because, because his ears were open. You want to you hear the voice of God? Well, you got to get away from the crowd and get alone in his presence. You need to do that. I'm telling you. 
It's a formula, but it's not Troy's formula. It's straight from God's word. You, you need to start there and, and give Jesus access to the root of your problem. In other words, when you're in a prayer meeting with Jesus, don't just tell him everything that sucks in your life. Let him tell you what sucks in your life. And it's probably going to be a different list. And then let Jesus' DNA become your identity. In other words, even though he's identified the root of your, your issues and they're your issues, may have been done to you or done through you, but they're your issues, he still wants to help you. He's never going to turn away from someone, dude, your issues are enough. Get out of here, man. Get back in the crowd. I don't want to talk to you. And never hear that from Jesus. He still spits today. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> because he still wants his DNA to get inside of you. And then watch Jesus rebuke the devourer. Watch what he does. You want, I want to hear the Every day of my life, I want to hear the voice of God. Every day of my life, I want to hear the voice of God. And the more you hear his voice, the more you'll know his voice. He says, my sheep know my voice. So what do we do with this? Well, here's what we do. We take a risk today. I've got five minutes, uh, and I'll respect the boundary. But we're going to take a risk today, and um, we're going to do something together. Some of y'all are like, uh. hey, you want to know why we don't ever have you? Hey, turn around and shake a hand and hug a neck here at church. Because about two-thirds of y'all are introverts, and you'd rather take a nice pick to the eyeball than do that every time, right? And if, if you knew about the time of the service that that was going to happen, you'd be coming in about three minutes after that time of the service. I just know that that's how some people are. I get it. I get it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, you want to know why at church I don't ever say, hey, grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's hold hands and pray because it's weird. It just so feels a little weird to me. But whenever I've done that before, it seems like every time I go to a pastor's conference, grab the hand. I don't know you. I don't. Did you wash your... I don't know. And I grab on someone's hands, and the next thing you know, I don't know if their hand's sweating or my hand's sweating. I'm not thinking about the prayer. And so I, that's just my thing, all right? Everybody's got a thing, yes? So I'm never going to ask you to, you want to grab the hand of the person that grab the hand, I don't care. If they pull back, no, it's not your, it's not my problem. It's, you, it's the issue, all right? So oh, I don't, we're not going to do that, but we are going to do this. I want you to hear the voice of God. Sometimes you hear the voice of God primarily through his word, but other times you hear God's voice through his servant. And so I'm going to ask you to do something for me. And so here we go, all right? It's going to be pretty, pretty simple. Ladies in the back, I'd like you to come to this table up here, please. Jake, I would like you to come to the... Jake, hey, wake him up, would you? See, seriously? That's... Bless his little heart. Yeah, yeah. Now everybody knows you're on live stream now. It's just the way it is. Come on up here, man. Have a seat up here. I want you to sit at this table up here. Good, wonderful. Your table is just fine. I would like for you two young ladies, would you step over to this table, please? Right on. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Your table's good. Your table's good. All right. I'm going to have, um, let's see. Would, would you, let's see. One, two, three, four. I'm going to actually ask for you two guys. Um, uh, John, uh, would you and, and your bride, would you guys come to this table in the corner, please? And then I'm going to ask for, hun, would you go over there to that table, please? And Jackson, would you mind coming to, uh, we've got to have a testosterone shift at this table over here. So Jackson, would you come over here, please? Because Edwin's all alone right there. And then I'm going to ask for you two guys, would you kindly come to this table up here for these two? See, I know, I know you don't want to move. move. Now, now everybody's, now, uh, you sit around your table and everybody's got a place. And here's what you're going to do. Um, you're going to speak life. And you, you may not know each other's names because you were rebellious and didn't put a name tag on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just being serious. You can put a name tag on if you want to. Um, but, I, but that way you'll know each other's names. But more than that, I want you to take an opportunity 
to speak life. What does that mean, Troy? It means I want you to be the voice of God for somebody at your table today. I could never do that. (laughs) Yes, you could. Because see, there's some teachers in here that are like, um, you know, um, medical nurses, doctors in here that, you know, Troy, um, you come to the hospital and I don't tell you, uh, I don't expect you to know exactly how I'm doing my job. There are some of you that are, that are business people. You run your businesses, and you're like, I, I, you don't know the intricacies of my job, and I don't expect you to know it. When you, when, I, um, uh, when, when you bring your car to my shop, I don't expect you to know how to fix it. I just fix it for you. So why are you having us do the job? Because that's not my job. My job is to make sure we're all the same. My job is to just be an under-shepherd to help you connect directly with God, but you don't connect with God through me. Let's be very clear. That is the difference between us, a major difference between us and Catholicism. You go directly to Jesus, directly to Jesus, directly to God. There is not, the veil has been torn in two. And I'm not insulting any other faith. I'm just saying you have the responsibility of knowing how to talk to God and how to hear God. So be the voice of God today. How do I do that? Well, you turn to somebody across from you and say, you know, you pray. You just take just a few seconds and pray. And then you're like, I think God wants you to know something. David, I think God wants you to know something. Be strong and courageous. For the battle that you're facing is not your battle. It is the Lord's. And I actually believe that's a real word for you. That's what I mean. Just trust that what's going to come out of your mouth is going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be true. Because God is not going to let you be tricked by the devil. Pray, ask him, speak life around your table. I'll be here. I'll walk around. I'll help you. But don't be doing this staring at each other, wondering thing. This isn't junior high. Let's just see what we can do right now and see if we can actually speak life into someone's heart. Let's do it. Go for it. We're going to play music softly. Can you imagine if, I'm going to stop you. Can you imagine if we were uh, versed in this? If we, through practice, we could do this more often? You could be in the grocery store. I'll paint a scenario for you that's really happened to me. You could be in the grocery store walking down the aisle, walking next to a mama who's got two kids that are driving her berserk. You can clearly tell that. And she's, and I'm going to talk about you, Trent. I'm, 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 I'm just teasing. You can, you can clearly see that she's, she's having a tough time. And you can be just looking to try to get the thing that you're trying to get from the store because you just want to get it done and get in and get out. Does that make sense? And then the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, say something to her doesn't tell me what to say to her, but says, say something to her. And so when you get the courage up to go over and, and just say something to her, it's at that nanosecond time when your faith and your obedience lines up with God's request that he comes through for you and gives you what it is you need to. It doesn't usually for me happen that God says, I want you to go tell her that everything's going to be okay on the other side of these next couple of years. That's not what he, he tells me, go say something to her. I want to. I don't know her. It would be awkward for a middle-aged guy to walk up to a lady and just start talking to her in the grocery. I'll look like a creepoid. He's like, just go say something to her. So you walk up, and I'm not going to tell you what I said to her because then you'll just try to, oh, that's what I got to say. But I said something to her, and she begins to cry. And I just told her how much God loved her and gave her a word of encouragement and just left. That's what God wants you to be used like every day of your life. I really believe that. Speak life. Speak life. But it won't, if you can't, if you can't do it in the safety of the house, it's going to be really hard to do it in the marketplace. Does that make sense? 
So this isn't for somebody else to have a good story in church. This is how God wants to use you. A lot of my times when God says, go say something to somebody, I always have to predicate it with, I'm not very good at this. Um, Or I don't want to be like a weirdo. But I really feel like God wants you to know how much he cares about you and that everything's going to be okay. I don't even know if everything's not okay in your life right now, but I think he wants you to know everything's going to be okay. Waterworks just seem to come because they needed that right when they needed that. And you were the vessel that God chose. How honored should you feel to be used by God in that capacity? It's not going to happen unless, unless you get away from the crowd. Get alone in his presence. Give access to Jesus, all the root issues, your insecurities, your fears. Give him access to that stuff. And let him, let his DNA become yours. Jesus was an extrovert and Jesus was an introvert. 100%, 100%. Because Jesus was with the crowds, but he liked to get alone too. So he gets all sides of this. Let his DNA become part of your DNA. And then watch Jesus rebuke the devourer, not just in your life, but in the lives you invest in all around you. I want you to be a force to be reckoned with for the enemy. I want you to be used in astounding ways on behalf of God. Father, thank you for this this gathering. Thanks for these fine folks. Thanks for your word that will never return void. Help us, help us to hear your voice this week and every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. Thanks for being here today. Have a great Sunday. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God.